This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, welcoming you to Week in Review for August 28, 2010. In our top story this week, federal regulators have recalculated the cumulative tally of the number of Americans affected by major healthcare breaches. As of August 23rd, they estimated that nearly 4.8 million individuals have been affected by the 138 major breaches reported since the high-tech breach notification rule went into effect last September. The total tally of individuals affected is lower than it was a month ago as a result of a continuing investigation into a breach at a WellPoint, Inc. website dating back to last November. When that incident was first posted to the official federal breach list on June 29, the total of those notified was 480,000, but now the official tally lists the number of individuals potentially affected as 31,700, based on WellPoint's continuing investigation. In the past 30 days, about 19 new major breach cases affecting a total of more than 250,000 individuals were reported to the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights. A month ago, the breach list showed that about 5 million Americans had been affected, including all those originally notified of the WellPoint incident. As of August 23rd, with the new incidents added and WellPoint's impact downsized, the total stood at nearly 4.8 million. In this week's featured interview, Christopher Howerhan, Manager of Development and Programs at the Health Information Trust Alliance, suggests that to avoid the high cost of dealing with information breaches, health care organizations should identify multiple steps for addressing their risks. He estimates dealing with the aftermath of the major breaches reported to federal authorities so far could cost a combined total of $1 billion. Howerhan outlines key breach prevention steps, including conducting a detailed risk analysis, encrypting mobile devices and media, as well as desktop computers, investigating whether to limit the amount of patient information stored on mobile and desktop devices, working with business associates to ensure they take adequate security steps. Relying simply on a business associate agreement, he says, is grossly inadequate, and educating staff about security procedures and the reasons behind them. I'll be back after a short break to tell you about the rest of our weekly review. Are you responsible for your institution's regulatory compliance program? Do electronic medical records, patient privacy, or data breaches keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the HealthCareInfoSecurity.com Educational Webinar Library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit HealthCareInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. Welcome back. In this week's featured blog, I point out that the recent sentencing of a Chicago-area physician for stealing about $13 million from Medicare and more than 30 other insurers serves as an important reminder of the need for medical record access controls. A cardiologist who had privileges at three area hospitals recently was sentenced to five years in federal prison in order to pay $13 million in restitution. The cardiologist used his hospital privileges to access and obtain information about patients without their knowledge or consent, according to a statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Illinois. 
He then hired individuals to bill Medicare and other insurance providers for medical services that he purportedly rendered to patients whom he knew he never treated. The hospitals involved apparently gave the physician access to the records without adequately determining whether he had a legitimate reason to view them. Consider this. Prosecutors say he filed more than 14,800 false claims over a five-and-a-half-year period. This case should be a wake-up call to hospitals across the country. Make sure your policies on who can access medical records, whether they're on paper or electronic, are clear-cut and up-to-date. Then educate everyone from medical record staff to physicians and nurses on the policies and the sanctions for violating them. And, of course, make sure those responsible for enforcing the policies are diligent in their efforts. In other news this week, Lockheed Martin has won two contracts worth a total of $9 million to support further development of the National Health Information Network. That's a set of services, standards, and policies that enable the secure exchange of health information over the Internet. For the next two years, the Bethesda, Maryland-based firm will create reference implementation software to support the development, testing, and adoption of new NHIN capabilities. Privacy and security-related specifications will likely be part of that project, a company spokesman said. Under its second contract, Lockheed Martin will develop real-world demonstrations and pilots for the new NHIN capabilities that ultimately health information exchanges across the country will use. While it is yet to be determined, it's highly likely that some of those pilots will focus on security and privacy, the spokesman said. Also in the news, the California State Legislature has passed a stronger data breach notification bill that could result in increased consumer privacy protection for residents if the governor signs it into law. Be sure to check out healthcareinfosecurity.com for all the latest news, interviews, blogs, and more. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.